Blog Talk Radio. Stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you have done Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight on NASCA. Stop Abuse Now show. Tonight's show is scan number 3223. Um and we're going to double-check on that number, but for right now, that's the number. If you'd like to be a part of our panel tonight, you are more than welcome. And you can join us by calling in at 646-595-2118. That, again, that number is 646-595-2118, okay? Thank you again for joining us tonight. And um, I'm your host tonight. I am Dr. Nancy. I'm with my wonderful co-host, Ms. Kim Lakin. And right now, if you're calling in, she is and that will be answering and making sure that you're all set uh, to come on and join us on tonight's panel. So uh, we'll start by, you know, going over our bio here. All right. So uh, NASA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, okay? Uh, And let me start right now. We have a single purpose at NASA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violence or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Now, again, I'm your host tonight. I'm Dr. Nancy. I'm with my wonderful co-host, Ms. Kim Lakin, and we're just so grateful that you're able to join us tonight on this discussion. Well, tonight we don't have a guest on tonight, but we do have an open panel, which I really do enjoy when we have our open panels because we're able to to discuss. 
okay? We're able to come together and we're able to discuss, you know, and, and really hear the voice of the community. What is, what are the needs of the community? Not only what are the needs, but we all come together to bring hope and healing for each other as we are in our own healing journey. And so it's really important that we're able to talk, you know. The more we're able to communicate, the more we're able to share, the more we're able to grow. And so, again, um, I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy. I'm with my wonderful co-host, Ms. Kim Lakin, and we are just grateful that you're able to join us tonight. Um, you know, hi, Ms. Kim. You're back. I'm back. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Just um, just doing the intro. I was just letting them know that you were making sure that everybody was in and good. And, um, yeah, so just wanted to check in. How was your week? Yeah, I think we're there. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So I see that we have a few people on the panel. It's always great. It's always yeah. great to, like I said, you know, for others to be able to join us. Um, some of the topics that I wanted to address, and, and, you know, we're not stuck on just one topic on tonight. I'm going to bring up a topic. If anyone else wants to discuss uh, something that's related to that topic, great. But if you also have something that you want some support in for us and the group to be able to support you in, please feel free to share as well because we're always open for that, okay? That's what the purpose of the NASA radio show on tonight will be. You're going to say something, Kim? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, did you notice that we actually have Dr. Deborah Warner on tonight? She's a co-founder of Script. Yeah, she's on. Okay, yeah, she's on there. Okay, I'm sorry. So she's I, um, on, and then I, she has Tommy on with her, who is um, going to help her explain. I guess. Okay, thank you. I sent the message. I didn't hear back to hear what was going on, because I saw it 5 p.m., so I thought this was a show earlier before me. Okay, well, let me go on ahead and read the bio. I'm sorry about that. Thank you, Ms. Kim. Appreciate you. All right. So we're on scan number, I guess it is correct, 3223, and tonight's special guest is uh, Dr. Deborah Warner, okay? Uh, she is, um, let's go right here, okay? Joint co-founder, Dr. Deborah Warner, tonight. Uh, she will be on Stop Child Use Now, show hosted uh, by Dr. Nancy tonight and Kim Lakin, and um we're going to discuss the Summit on Community Resilience, Intervention, Prevention, and Training. In addition, she will be joined by presenters, uh, Maria and Charlene, I'm not sure, but I know Mr. Tommy is definitely here, who gather to talk about the many topics being presented in this year's event on Thursday, July 20th, and Friday, July 21st. NASCA has been co-sponsor of the free conference for many years, and we're happy to announce that the event will be back at the California Endowment of the Arts, um, the perfect venue for scripts. More than 60% of the population has experienced at least one advanced childhood experience. 
Okay, adverse childhood experience. Evidence suggests that abuse, neglect, and other types of adverse experiences are significant risk factors for later physical and mental health problems, including drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activities, suicide attempts, domestic violence, cancer, and heart disease. That is so true. Um, and so really looking forward to um, hearing uh, from our special guest. The cost to society associated with child abuse and neglect exceeds $124 billion per year. Additionally, of course, trauma in various ways. Please join the event in Los Angeles if you can. But call in tonight, again, at that number, 646-595-2118, to listen and to learn or to ask questions and to share. And we would love to have you join us tonight. Thank you so much again. Um, so without further ado, I'd love to introduce Dr. Deborah Warner. Hi, Dr. Deborah. How are you? Hi, how are you? I am doing good. I'm so sorry about that. A little bit of confusion there, but we're so grateful to have you on tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me here. And it's, uh, Tommy T-Top will be joining us to talk about his new book, A Roof Don't Leak, and also that he's having a book signing at Scripps. And he is our second keynote speaker of the conference. Um, Charlene and Maria were last week. So today is Tommy T-Top's day. Okay, great, great, great. Thank you for the update. All right. Uh, and so with that being said, uh, we'd love to introduce you. If you can uh, first just tell us a little bit about yourself and then introduce the, your guests, that would be great. Yeah, I, I am Dr. Deborah Warner, and I am the co-founder of GRIP with Akil Bashir. And um, it is a conference about male survivor trauma and violence, but it's much more than that. It's about educating the community about stopping the stigma of male survivor trauma and violence, but also it works with the community to support everyone in learning about trauma and being a trauma survivor. At Script, we use the color blue to stand in unity of male survivor trauma and violence and also to work with people in the community about how to create community safety, which is one of the things that Tommy T. Top does well, is that he creates community safety, but he also um, works within the community to stop trauma and violence. And he actually has to leave early tonight just so that he can go do that because of things that are helping in the community. And his book, The Roof Don't Leak, talks about his life and how his life affects other people. And he is a role model and pillar to the community. Well, thank you for that. Really looking forward to uh, having Mr. Tommy join us. And if he can, Please come in and join us and introduce yourself. That would be great. Thank you, Mr. Tommy. Hello. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Good evening. Good. How are you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here uh, along with Dr. Deborah Warner uh, on this platform to really uh, talk about solutions and and, 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 and proactive solutions and, and just being uh, a vessel in the community of, of, of finding solutions because we understand uh, one thing's for sure that, that we are not beasts of destruction, yet creatures looking for a better way, and, and we, we just lack tools and resources in, in our communities, and, and, and it takes us to 
go back and rebuild our community. And, and I understand that that's my calling. So that's why I'm here. That's what my book is about. And it's an honor. Thank you so much. Can you tell us um, a little bit about how you got started? What, just a little bit maybe about your background. What connected you to this journey and this walk of life? Of oh, man. And, and, okay. And, and this is this is really talks about my book, uh, The Roof Don't Leak, a book of thoughts, reflections, and wisdom. Uh, I, I speak about that, uh, going, to, going to jail at 16 years old, 17 years old, being incarcerated uh, for eight years, nine years of my life, and, and coming home and doing something with my life that has been a blessing, to say the least. Um, I went to jail at 17, came home when I was 27. Uh, fast forward, went to jail for a crime I didn't commit come out of the gang culture, the gang lifestyle. Um, I was a product of that culture um, when I was really young. And, uh, you know, being in jail, I had a son. I went to jail at 17. Six months later, my son was born. Uh, I had him at 17 years old. And and, and that was the turning point for me in my life, going to jail and, and, and realizing that how an absentee father was part of the root cause of me being in the situation that I was in and vowing that never, that I would never allow myself or my son to be raised in an environment and society without both parents. That was, that was my turning point for me to change my life over from a negative to positive. So upon me coming home, I was just fast forward. I got a job working with Hall of Fame football player Jim Brown, uh, teaching American curriculum, a 15-chapter curriculum dealing with the responsibility of self-determination where I went on to work and be a key facilitator for him, teaching in charter schools, probation schools, traveling with him to different states, setting up systems and programs, uh, and teaching life skills, uh, worked with him for 10 years. Then from there, uh, and also working with him, I was able to put together a 14-gang ceasefire on the uh, west side of Los Angeles uh, with Crips and Bloods that still lasts uh, to this day. Um, I have a, I'm part of doc, the documentary with Jim Brown, Rest of Soul, uh, The American Story. I have three books out. Uh, another book prior to this called Barbara and My Boys, who was published by Dr. Deborah Warner as well. This is my new book, The Roof Don't Leak. Uh, fast forward a little bit further to now. I've been with uh, Dr. Kilbert Shore, who's also the co-founder of the Script Conference with Dr. Deborah Warner. I've been working side by side with Deborah Warner and Akil about 13 years now doing a lot of work into the community setting up structures and systems uh, teaching law enforcement, public safety and protocols uh, guidelines, the same um, safety protocols and structure that law enforcement adheres to we teach that uh, in intervention and prevention through our office uh, and our program professional community intervention training this is to um, so it's it's a lot. I've been doing this work now 24 years of my life, man. Been it's a blessing, man, to be where I am, and and I and I look at where I come from to, and and I say that God prepared me young to be able to go back into the belly of the beast and be the voice of those who necessarily wouldn't have a voice. 
So I'm just a voice that, that, that God sends a vessel that he's prepared to go back and be a vessel for my community. So that's why I'm here. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, may I ask you, what led you at that time? And this is for any, you know, we have a lot of young people, older people, parents, different people, everyone's listening in. Uh, so whether they're on tonight or not, they do tune back in after. And so my question for you would be, can you share with us who led you to incarceration, maybe some of the youth? Because I, I, I do a lot of work with at-risk youth, and I do, I'm one of the um, chairpersons for DJJ, the Department of Juvenile Justice System Advisory Board, uh, for the boys' facility, and I also do a lot of work with the girls' facility. And so for those kids that may be listening, like, what were you doing during before? What led you kind of to that life? What did you go through as a child? Did you go through any form of abuse? Uh, was there divorce in the family, changes in the family? Tell us a little bit about well, your family. I, 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 okay, I'll, I'll take you back um I was raised in a household with a single mother, an absentee father who who um, was chemically dependent uh, on alcohol. I, he was in and out of my life from the age of about two. I was about five, six years old. And then after that, I would see him every three, four years, maybe for a couple of days when he would come to town. And my mother would tell me he's in town, and we would go meet him at whatever hotels he's staying at. And that would be the most of it. And I would hear the next thing he's traveled here, he's coming in town there. And then for, you know, up until about seven years old. And, you know, I remember for a minute he was in my life for, well, maybe about a year or two at the most. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't have any memories really of him being there, taking me to school, being at any of my baseball, football games. My mother was at. She was my mother and my father, you know. And, and, and so I, I – that was one of the things I said for myself to always make sure that my kids was raised in an environment where they had a father. But again, at, at an early age, 10, 11 years old, 12, I became a product of the gang culture. Um, and my mother did a great job to make sure I wasn't a part of that life. Um, but how could she uh, make sure that I didn't take her on that course when she was a single parent and worked two jobs because it was me and four other siblings that she had to provide for. So as she left home and I went to school and most of all my peers and friends were uh, from that culture and that lifestyle and quite naturally I gravitated to it and became a product of my environment at an early age and, you know, and, and was glamorized with, with false uh, pretenses of short time glamour, long time misery, uh, thinking that it was cool to be in a gang lifestyle and the cars and the jury and, and, and that, that image of being, you know, the tough guy in the community, the, the false perception that society has laid upon us that, that now I'm going back and correcting within my community and my tribe. You know, it's false prophecy. I, I, and I say I've been to the highest level of gang banging, and there's no retirement plan. There's no 401k plan at the end of this. You know, it's a false prophecy. We, we have to go back and, and really realize and understand that we're kings and queens on our journey where we're taught to be bitches and niggas and hoes, excuse my language. But we have to mm -hmm. change our mindsets. And in order to do that, to change the output, we have to change the inputs. And, and I'll go back to where, as, back to the story, whereas I played baseball and football all mm -hmm. the way up until I was 16 years old before I went to jail. I was really good at it. And 
I was gang banging heavy. My mother sent me out of town at 15 years old, right before 16, to get me away from that lifestyle and the cultures of Tennessee. And, and I went out there and stayed a couple weeks, came back, and a couple weeks later I was shot. Mm. And mm. It, it's, it's, it's crazy how my life spent, and then six months later I was in jail. Mm. And, it, and and that's how my life went from 16 to 17 to until I came home. And then upon that, you know, I, my life changed because when I, I'll even tell you the story. When I first came home, I got a job working at Macy's mm-hmm. for four hours a night putting sensors on clothes. And, and, and every last, and, and I'll say this, four months later, six months later, I was a assistant doc manager. A year after that, mm-hmm. I was a doc manager doing, doing the hiring and firing in that company. I stayed there five, five, four or five years to where right before when I left to go work for Hall of Fame football player Jim Brown, um, they asked me to be a logistics manager to go around all Macy's and show the doc managers how to run their docs. And I'll give mm-hmm. you this little story and just let you guys know how God really works and, and, and what, what door God opens, no man can close us. Again, I tell you, I got a job working there. When I became the manager, I did the hiring and firing at that company. Me, after doing all these years in prison, I did the hiring and firing. I hired five, six of my friends, and every last one of them got fired for a background check. Hmm. And they had been home for years. And I just come home hmm. and got that job. And I, and I and remind you this as well, it's even crazier. I'm the one that had the code to to uh, decode the alarm to let security in the building. Mm. So it's crazy how, and, and I look at life, how we go through situations on our journey to get to something. And when we look back in hindsight, we, we say, oh, man, this is why I went there. But, you know, when we go on through it, we don't really understand our prophecy, right, because that's where faith comes in at. And that's really about, you know, really learning. Because if we don't, go through it, we'll never have a testimony or revelation for someone else to even understand. And everything that's meant for our bad is, is, is meant to turn to our blessings, right? It's cussing the minds, turns his weaknesses. You, you have to, there's no saint on earth. That's why God uses the individual that he uses in those stories to teach revelation, to teach truth that we all are born sinners and we have to go through something to get to something. But there is a method and a, and a recipe to success. But one of the things that's happened in our culture, in our community, through systemic racism, the things that's plagued us over the years, and, and through slavery, to what our ancestors have gone through, is, is we lack the tools and the resource and the knowledge and, and the wisdom to, 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 be, to have some sense of normality in society where, where, where commonality is not relevant, right? So, so what, what, what has to happen? God sends individuals such as myself to go through situations. And you look at Malcolm, you look at Martin, those individuals that he sent through into the things to put a calling on their lives to be the beacon of light for so many other people that felt hopeless. So now as, I, as I've gotten older now and, and, and gotten to an age where I am now, I look back at my life and say that my life at a young age was just prerequisites of things that he want me to be able to do now because Nobody's going to save us in our community but us, and nobody's going to tell us the truth but us. And in order for, for us to, to, to educate and learn for ourselves, 
one of the things I had to do within myself was to educate myself first and take that responsibility mm-hmm. because I can't go and tell anybody or teach anybody anything when I'm speaking from a place of, of, of not of no, not knowing anything, from a, being a tooth and, and have no sensibility, right? My mental fortitude has been the essence of my greatness to get me to this point where I am today. Right. So, so there's a few things that I hear when I hear you speaking, okay? And this is from personal experience of my own. Um, so you're a man of faith. Yes, I am. Okay. Where did this I wouldn't come be here from? without God. Amen. Where did your relationship with God begin in your earlier years, later years? When did God show up for you in your life? When did you build that relationship with God personally? I've, I'll say this to you. I've always had God in my life. My mother's always made sure that we are God-fearing people. My mother is my queen. She's taught me the morals and values. You know, when they say the the, the, the acronym of the of Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth, she's equipped me well to be respectful, to, to, to be honorable, to, to always put God first. Uh, I've always had that in my in my life, and one of the things that you know I had to learn as you know even young, I always knew that I was different. I was a leader, and I had a different calling on my life. But I've always been humble. That's been one of the great things to get me to the point that I am to this day. But I've you know I'll give you this part though. One of the things that really made me really reconnect with God on a personal personal level. Um was when I was incarcerated and and I had to really isolate myself and do some introspection within myself to understand who I am as a person. And and, and I always say there's two great things in a man and a woman's life. It's the moment we're born and the moment we understand our purpose. And and, and my mother used to always tell me to pray. And I used to, you know, tell her, I, I, I prayed like this. She'd tell me so. She, she told me one time, son, son, you might you might have to pray a little different. And there was a time that she told me that, and a couple of days later, I was listening to the, my inner spirit, and God told me, everything that you prayed for, I've already placed around you, and told me to retrace my steps. So upon hearing that, I did that. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been able to take my remove myself uh, from the distractions around me on a day-to-day basis. And that's one of the things that we as people have to learn to do is find out who we are as individuals because we're all born in our own unique form from our own seat, you know, to really understand our place and purpose in life as kids and all that, right? Because none of us are the same. There are no two people the same at all. We are all born and ordained with our our own gift that God bestows upon us. Mm -hmm. So, so this is what I'm going to say. Um, there's definitely a calling on your life, right? And there's savers also. Unfortunately, I know um, there's times I've prayed where I threw myself on the floor and I cried and I said, Lord, use me as a vessel. And then the Lord used me as a vessel. Then I'm mad when I'm going through things. I'm like, Lord, why would you do this to me? And then I remember, Lord, this day, use me as a vessel. So there's definitely power in communication with Holy Spirit, with God. Um, and, um, before we go any further, I want to make sure first that I open up the line for my co-host, um, Ms. Kim Lakin, 
I don't know if she, um, you know, she may have a question or a comment, but definitely want to invite her into the conversation. I know she's also a woman of faith. And then uh, we'll open up the lines for some of the people on the panel because they want to make, you know, say, say something after all that you've shared before we go any further. So, Ms. Lakin? Ms. Kim? Hello. Thank you. Hi, Kevin. Yes. Thank Hello. you so much for sharing your story. That's very powerful. And um, I love that you are giving back in that way, giving back to kids who um, need that guidance. It's beautiful. So thank you for that. I um, I don't have a whole lot of questions right now. I was listening to your story. I was actually um, looking on Facebook, looking up Dr. Warner, and then also um, Tommy T-Top. Is that you? Yes, that's correct. Are you on Facebook as well? Okay. I'm going to follow yes. you as well. So if you see a Kim Lakin on there, that's who I am. But um, I'm I'm just honored to meet you and hear your story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you very much. Yes, I also, thank you, Ms. Kim. I also send a friendship request to both. Uh, and so um, you'll see me on there as well. All righty. Um, we also have a few people on the panel, um, so we will open up the mic, and um, the first person I'll invite, um, hi, Stella, not sure Hello, if Dr. you have a comment, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, we always love to hear from you and to have you here. So I don't know if you've got a chance to hear enough of Mr. Tommy's story, very powerful testimony of what he's been through so much. Um, I don't know if you had a comment or a question or some words of encouragement. Please, we would love to hear from you. Well, um, I had to leave in about five minutes, but I just want to say that I've been in jail too, and it's nice to hear somebody else who's been in jail and who came out of it. Thank you, man. You, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, man. Uh, one of the biggest things in, in, in my book, The Roof Don't Leak, I talk about this. It's, it's never easy uh, coming out of jail and, and getting back to a sense of normality. I mean, that's that's kind of unheard of. But one thing I'll tell you that there, there are people around you, there are systems uh, and things around you that can help you. And, and, and now in today's society, if we, I learned that if I control the things that I can control and put the rest in the universe and let God control that, then there's no way that I can lose. But then I also have to understand that, and I'll say this to you, and I'll say it slow and to everybody listening, there's no great secret to success. It's the development of desire for success that determines the level of success achieved. Success is not just for the well-educated, elite, and the wealthy. Success is there for those who want it, plan for it, and then take actions to achieve it. And, and, and really understand something, man. Like, success for me, I have thoughts and, and notions and ideas about stuff, right? And, and I'm sure most of us do. But one thing that I had to learn is success is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration, 10% being the thought, but then 90 is me putting that work in, that perspiration. And, and setting up a plan. I, I get up every morning, I study, I meditate, I write my goals down every day, 
at the end of the day, I look at my goals, I measure my success, right? Because tell everybody else what I'm doing and all that. But for me to really be honest with myself when nobody else is around with me and to measure myself based on that truth and living that truth, I have to be honest with myself. So how do I measure that? And all successful people have recorded their success. So make sure that you're doing that and you're being honest with yourself. And, and, and every day, remember, man, some days it's going to be better than others. But remember, if you've been inside those walls, you know there's lockdowns. And one of the things that we learned, if we didn't learn anything, we learned to have patience. So some days when you feel like, man, you're up against it and, 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 and everybody is against you, everything is seasonal. Act like you're on lockdown and get, away, get out the way and wait for the next day and let, listen to God deliver the message for you. It's not rejection. It's direction. And we got to make sure that we don't take a victim's mentality but a proactive mentality and a mindset because now we're no longer reactionary. That was one of the things that when I was young, I was a reactionary. And as I become older and knowledgeable, now I'm a critical thinker. So just make sure that whatever you do, fella, that, that you make sure that you eliminate the negative and establish the facts and then choose your best options in anything you do, decision-making process, brother. What was that? I missed it. Eliminate the what? Eliminate the negative, establish the facts, and then choose your best options. It's called the decision-making process. Thanks. I got to go. I'm at church. Oh. All right. Thank you. Well, he's also so a man of things. Um, so I'm sure he really enjoyed He had to go. He was at church. <laughs> he had, um, so he just hung up. But he wrote it down. He got it. And thanks so much for sharing that. So we, um, so I'm going to call um, the next person. Well, we have someone else on the line. Um, the number ends with 9754. I don't know if you have a comment or if you have a question or you'd like to share something. You are welcome to join us. That number, the 9754 ending number, if you would like to make a comment or share, you are welcome to join us. Yes, I was just tuning in, and uh, I'm being real encouraged uh, by Tommy T-Top. And the book, I read the book, and it's an excellent book. And I just wanted to say that uh, I am very proud of him and what he is doing and saying, and it's going to help a lot of people, a lot of people in the community and everything. And I just mm-hmm. want to just take my hat off off to him mm-hmm. and to the whole program for what all of you are doing. And I just wanted to tune in and listen and learn because you're never too old to learn. And I just I just thank God for you all. Oh, well, thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, you so very much. much. Go ahead, Mr. Tommy. You can address her. I'm sorry. Just wanted to say thank you. <laughs> Okay, Tom. No, no, I did all that as well. I mean, you, thank you very much. And you asked me where my spirituality comes from. That's part of it. It's a village. It's a family that that gets us to this level of growth, you know. And and you asked me what what level did I really come in tune with God? I've I've known it for years. I, my family always tell me 
for years. They tell me I, I, one day I'm going to be a preacher. I should be a preacher. I tell everybody I am a preacher. I just reach those that those in the pulpit don't reach. I'm in the streets. Right. It's a right. difference. So, I mean, my, my calling, my whole family from L.A. to Tennessee, uh, it's very spiritual, my whole family, my auntie, P.I., Trina, all my family, tadpoles, all my family, everybody out there is very spiritual. They come from that, from the South, you know what I mean? My family's God-fearing, so I wouldn't be nowhere without it. Thank you so much for sharing that part. And, um, you know, we'd like to hear a little more about your story, you know. Um, your mom, can you tell us a little bit about your mom? Like, how many, uh, did you have any siblings? Uh, was um, she married? Was she a single mom? I know you said she was a single mom. Did, what type of work did she do? Like, can you tell us a little bit about your mom? My mom. mom my, thank you. My mom, my queen, my everything. Uh, my mother, my mother is a trooper. My mother moved from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Los Angeles, California. Me, four siblings, uh, raised us by herself, worked two jobs, worked at a restaurant, a gas station, everything you can think of to provide for us, made sure that we always had the nice clothes at school, uh, always made sure that she was at our game, my games. Anytime I got in trouble, she was always there telling me, you get in trouble, I'm not going to get you no more. You know, everything she could do in her power, you know, to use us. Uh, you know, um, to this day now, she still is the head of our household, the head of our family, uh, you know, for my nieces, nephews, my siblings. We all honor and respect her as as that. Uh, she came out of here by herself and and took a chance with my father back then to to start a family here in Los Angeles, and we were offspring from that. And she did that, and my uncle came, and that was my family, my sisters and brothers' family here, my our, our kids, and my mother, and all the rest of my families in Tennessee, Chattanooga, and Nashville on my father's side. My mother is 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 everything that the epitome of being regal, the essence of a queen. You know, but we have to understand with limited resources and limited tools, there's only so much she can do. And then, how much can we realistically ask a woman to raise a man in today's society? It's, it's almost unfathomable. It's unbelievable. You can't even put that burden upon her to, to, to do that, especially in today's society. And I speak about that in one of the chapters in my, in my book that, you know, today in any any society, kids need both parents in their life. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a man can't tell a, a, a young lady how to be a, a woman, and a mom can't teach a man, a child, a male, how to be a man. You know what I mean? She can give She can give us the tools and and, and, and like she gave me, but at the same time, there were things that I still look for and I yearned from a male perspective that I that I got from the streets. You know what I mean? That male role model, those, you know, I didn't have a lot of 
you know, male role models and stuff in my life growing up. Again, it was my mother and, and my three sisters and my one brother, right? So it, I didn't have that outside. Then my, my uncle that did, did migrated from Tennessee with my mother after my mother was here for a while. Uh, but outside of that, I didn't have no the, the positive images of role models. So when I went to school and I walked out in the street society, I, I was faced with being a product of what I've seen every day. You know, being being a product of what my friends was, even knowing that I was different. That's why, you know, when I said I was really good in sports, I was really good in baseball and football, like really, really good at it. You know, and and I, and, but again, I, I got shot in jail, and unfortunately, my like I told my mother when I was young. I'm going to buy you this big house playing baseball and doing this and that, right? So that's part of my motivation now, you know, to make sure that I make her proud on the level that I do now from giving back to working in communities and, 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 and helping young kids see that if I can change, that they can change. And Because most kids, they – and then I have to make sure that I'm honest with what I do, not with what I say, because kids don't really listen to what we say. They watch what we do. So that's why I make sure that I'm present in the community. I don't straddle the fence, but I'm somebody that come from the same walks of life that they come from that was just misguided and didn't have the tools and resources. So now I, I vow to make sure that I am what God is prepared to be, the beacon of light for those that are in darkness. You know, thank you again for sharing that, and thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the community. With the with becoming and being a beacon of lightness comes with a lot of spiritual warfare, you know, and and that's just what it is. And I know that firsthand personally. I do a lot of work in the community, and have to fight a lot of different in my journey and in my walk, childhood to adulthood. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about that journey that led you? To down that path and that path to incarceration, gang banging. Uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I tell people I'm that dude that Snoop Nim was rapping about. Mm. I, I, I was a young, I was a young dude at an early age that came up in an environment that my my higher, I didn't have no higher goals or aspirations in life. But to be a gang member, to go to jail, to come home with big muscles and call myself an OG, what a warped misperception that I had at a young age. And and think about it. I, that was called self-fulfilling prophecy. Everything that I thought about that I wanted to do at that young age, that, that, that mm-hmm. you know, all the people I seen around me at a young age was doing, and the low riders and the cars and all that stuff, thinking that stuff was cool and all that stuff. I emulated all that stuff, and, 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 and that was my promise. And, and it's sad. you got to really be mindful of what we think and what we want to become because what we speak out of our mouths really become the essence of who we are because our character, this is our reaction of our beliefs. That's definitely the truth. That's definitely the truth. I thought and, and and our I, become our truth. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And I do not mean to cut you guys off. I have to get out of here at 545. Uh, I have another community event uh, that where I'm working on this afternoon. But I would love for everybody to come out to Grip Conference the 21st to be a part of that. Um, 
You guys can follow me at uh, at T Top Roof Don't Leaks on Instagram, and that way you'll get all the updates of what's going on uh, on a day to day basis as well. Uh, Squid Coppers, Deborah Warner. Uh, I just want to say this, and I cannot get off this phone with this. My journey with Dr. Deborah Warner started 10, 11 years ago, and she was a lady that just came to our organization and just hung out and just wanted to learn about our culture and who we was and psychology major. And, you know, we went on to train half of her staff uh, in community organizing, events prevention protocol structures. Uh, she studied some of our co- my coworkers for a long time and, and, and did analysis and, and that stuff. And, and that's where our second book, Barbara and the Boys, came from. And the stories of transformations of, of five of my coworkers that, that really come from the from from less amiable circumstances to being the leaders in their communities. She has been a vessel that God has sent to me someone who understands uh, what individuals in our communities go through. She is a voice of those that don't have a voice. And not only that, she she empowers us with knowledge and wisdom from her leadership, from her honesty, from her family, from her hard work and dedication that she says she gives daily when she doesn't have to to our community. She's a vessel. She has put on one of the most powerful uh, platforms, conferences on this side of America that everybody really needs to wake up and become a part of because we all suffer from trauma. We all suffer from PTSD. We all uh, are victims of some type of uh, trauma, of violence that, that has, has hindered us from our growth. And in this conference, uh, next week, that's coming up on the 20th and 21st, is powerful. It gives individuals resources, tools, knowledge, information, gives them a voice to come network, to fellowship, uh, to build their ideas, to share their thoughts, right? Because the only way we learn and we build is if is, is, is we help. And how do we have information to help? Through the things that we've learned and we went through as individuals. Our journeys and our situations and our tracks are prerequisites for someone else to learn and gain. And, and again, we're all just vessels in our journey, and, and nobody's going to save us but us. It takes a village, and everybody has to play their part. We have to really get back to understanding our purpose of who we are and our rightful place as kings and queens. But in order to understand that, we have to re-educate ourselves. Miseducation, education. Thank you guys for having me. I'm Tommy T-Top. The book, The Roof Don't Leak, on all platforms, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, overseas in the U.K., everywhere. Dr. Devin Warner, we did it. We just getting started. Thank you guys so much for having me on this platform. Looking forward, again, to the fellowshipping with you guys. I will follow everybody that uh, sends me a request. Again, on Instagram, it's T-Top Roof Don't Leak. Come out to the 21st Script Conference. Stay in tune. Stay locked in. Devil One, I love you. Thank you guys for the platform and the opportunity. You're Much welcome. love, Tommy. You almost you. made me cry. <laughs> Go take care of business. I'll see you at the script. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Much love. Peace. Have a good-
Tommy. Well, good day. All right. So, Dr. Deborah, you heard all of that. You heard <laughs> the level of impact, I mean, that you have made, not just in this man's life, not not just in his life, just that's that's a that's a spec. The community, that's a spec globally, because you're moving into a whole nother dimension. But after hearing from him personally, that one person, because even if you make an impact on one person's life, you've done your job. How how did that make you feel hearing that? I I didn't even know he was going to say that. I mean, oh my goodness. And I remember the. The first time that I, you know, realized that I was talking about boys and women and how much I learned from them, and, and I was so grateful to know them. And uh, Tommy stood up as the leaders of all of them at, on that day, and he said, "We are a reflection of you." And uh, I, I now I, I I lost it on stage because. I didn't realize, and as a psychologist, I'm saying people don't realize that we never see the impact of our work. We never know if we made any headway with clients. And to to be able to witness that and, and continue such a long-term relationship, you know, I sometimes get discouraged and sometimes get sad. But I remember... One thing is that, like you said, if you touch one person, and then I remember moments like that, and I say, this is what God has has told me to do. I am being obedient, and in obedience, recovery comes reward, and that is reward. And so that keeps me going, even when I think, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for this conference or what's going on? Like, I should charge people. I don't want to. I want everybody to tell me. I always have all of these thoughts. I go back to those these moments right now to know I am doing what I'm told. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're being obedient. Do you have a personal relationship with God yourself? Oh, yeah. God is everything. He walks with me, next to me, beside me. I do nothing. I just, I just did a training on malingering, and I do the same thing before I take any stage. I go find a quiet spot, and I pray. And I pray to be a vessel. I pray for him to speak through me, and I ask all all the time for the Holy Spirit to be with me. And it's something I do every single time, you know. And I and I also thank him at times in there for just giving me the opportunity. Um, and so, yeah, that I mean, that is why I do everything I do is to show light. I, I would not be here without that because in that you're never alone. You're only doing what you are supposed to do in your neck of the woods, and that's hard for people to understand. I want to change the world, but you can only change what you're meant to change, and you can only change the things that are that you are meant to change in your neck of the woods and hope that that has a rippling effect. You cannot think that you're going to change the entire world unless it's some sort of global thing that you're meant to do. But the small things add up. You're a woman of of faith, right? You're a woman of God, period. And he's a man of faith. Do you believe that God connects you, like connects the people that you're supposed to be serving? How does God reveal that to you personally? I mean, how do you, where do you get that from? That that ability to know who you're supposed to pour into at that level. 
Because that's serious yeah, people, what you're doing. Yeah, people show themselves. I mean, people show their true colors, right? If you, if you let them long enough, they'll hang themselves, right? So, I mean, you listen to those things. I mean, I deal with instincts every day, right? You, you learn how people are, but I always let people show up in my life the way they're meant to show up. And what I mean by that is I don't control who they are, and I accept them 100% for who they are, meaning that the good, the bad, the ugly, they're still going to love you, no matter what. I may put boundaries around you so that I protect myself and my family, but I'm still going to love you, right? Because people choose to show up how they want to show up from all of their experiences. And so when you go into a relationship like that with love, you begin to build relationships and rapport with people because they know there's nothing they can say to you that you're going to judge them, right? There's nothing that you they can say to you that you're going to say, okay. But you're, you might give them boundaries and you might tell them the truth because part of being someone's friend is to tell them the truth. But they know that you're going to be consistent. So people who aren't in my best interest tend to just kind of weed themselves from my life. Um, because mm. my life is my life isn't something that is not of God. Amen. So, Doctor Deborah, I mean, you know, um, for for new people coming in, because there are some people coming in a little late, some people left, some people come in. Um, you know, we had a special guest tonight. His name was um, Mr. Tommy, and he shared his testimony, very powerful testimony at that about just, you know, growing up, what he's been through, not an easy life. You know, he grew up um, later on in, in uh, L.A. He was involved in gangbanging. He was a child who was raised by his mother. He didn't have a good relationship with his father. His father was in and out of his life and then mostly out more than ever in. Um, and, you know, he just shared some of the things that led him down the road to incarceration. And, um, you know, when you met Tommy, and, and I know that you're, you've been a mentor, you've been someone who he's been able to, to look up to. Before he got off the radio just now, he gave you your flowers today. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was good. I really did. I think it's so important to be able to do that while the people who we love and respect are here, that we're able to give them their flowers in any way that we can. And he did that, honey. He he did that and dropped the mic before he left out. He said he appreciates you so much for believing in him and pouring in him and just having that heart, that just a faithful woman of God's heart. And he, he made that very clear. When you met him at first, knowing his background, and this is for anyone listening later on or now, uh, you know, many times you meet people who've had a rough background or have had some some really bad backgrounds. Well, we're like, if I knew you back then, I wouldn't even talk to you today. So what what did God show you about him or what made you want to connect with him still after knowing his background. Can you give us some of that so that we can know for those who need to know? You you know, it's interesting. I didn't know. Um, So I went, I knew who I was interacting with. They were ex-gang members and they had done things and some had been in prison. But I think that's why it worked is that I never asked. I just accepted all of them the way they were because I knew I was a fish out of water. And so we would actually laugh, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I never put on any kind of 
I knew better than you. I knew more. I had a different life. I never did. And that's what made it all work was that I just came in as me in my cowboy boots and, and sat there and with my big eyelashes and, you know, I mean, I just was me. And they accepted all of that. And so in turn, I accepted everything about them no matter what it was. And, and so that's what worked. I didn't actually know and find out what Tommy did and it, how he ended up in prison until about six months ago as we were writing this book. And I was editing it, and I sat with him, and I said, I need more. You've got to tell me more because you're being vague. And I got the whole story. So I've known Tommy for 10, 11 years. Like you said, I never asked the question. I just accepted him as Tommy Pizza. That was it. That was Tommy. And I love him. That's it. Ah, okay, so I had the mute button on. I was cracking up. I was cracking up so hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I was like, oh, my God. Let me tell you something. That's so beautiful. You got to know the real person. You got yeah. to know his heart. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got to know his heart. Right. What were you going to say? Yes, ma'am. What were you going to say? What were you about to say? Could you hear me? I said, yeah, I did. Okay, cut back. I'm sorry. Say it again, please. I said, I got to know him like he got to know me. And we were on equal ground because we just never asked each other those questions. Right. That is amazing. Okay. So, So knowing that, knowing that you didn't know the bad side of him, what did you know about him that made you want to work with him? He was genuine. Tommy never... He never put on air. He was genuine, and and I never, you know, it's interesting because I never thought his past was. I thought his past was something that we all could learn from and could help future people. And so I took such a different take on it, right? Well, he, he we were all doing Barbara, my voice. It was a lot of them, and I spent so much time. And I would like, I think it was once a month they'd come and sit, and I'd get a conference room, and we would just they would tell me about their lives, and I'd have like four or five questions, and I was gathering all this research and. It was interesting, right? And they just would hang out with me at, at the school, the university. And um and it was it was just it was just so surreal because here I am and they're spending all this time with me and it, it was I they would tell me about the stuff they did on the streets and, and, and connecting that and I I was just so fascinated and, and by that. You know, I was just so fascinated about who they all were to me. And I and I remember, it's so interesting, one time I was teaching and I was pregnant. And this will articulate the relationship. I was pregnant. And uh, there, was a, there was a racial riot going to happen at the city hall, and I was near there. And um, they called me and they said, hey, we're concerned that you're there. And you shouldn't be there. And I said, well, I got to teach. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know. And, and I remember that they said, well, we're going to be on the corners when you go to your car because we need to make sure you're okay. And so I remember I called my husband. I said, you got to come down here because, oh, my God, something's going to go down. But until he got there, they were there because they didn't want nothing to happen to me. And they knew I didn't know anything about that world. And I remembered, I said, you know, I got I to gotta do something to show this when I did my first conference. 
And I remember I got very little support <laughs> in setting up for my school and everything. I don't know what was going on. I don't think anyone realized what I was trying to do, but and they did. And they would come and set up chairs and zip tie them and and just be with me in the madness. I mean, madness that I was in, doing this for the community. And then I would put them on all the panels with all of the police chiefs, with all the people that were ex-wardens, <laughs> with the FBI. And I'd say, let's talk about this issue. You've got people who were in there. Let's talk about this issue. And I'd put everybody together in the same place. And that's how Script really started. And we would talk about these issues, and I said, no, 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 he's, he's not doctor. He's, he's Sam, and you're Tommy, and you're Nico. And I made everybody the same name, the, the first names, and we, we just sit, and now this, that's, that is why um, they come back every year, and everybody does the script because of that. So, I mean, it's a long way to answer your question, but it really is about the person. It's really about just being there. I'm sorry, I had the mute button on. Could you hear me? Oh. I was talking. <laughs> yeah. I said, I was agreeing with you, like, wow. I could, I was just saying wow a few times, and you couldn't hear me. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, so that is amazing, you know. Um, you know, it's like God is so interesting. You have to be the little lamb. You mm-hmm. have to be the little lamb who didn't know, because if you knew, you probably wouldn't even step in there. God has put me in that position a few times. God knew that if you probably knew, you probably wouldn't even step in that circle. So he had to use you in a way to help connect, support, bring whatever it is that he needed to use you as a vessel, because clearly that's what you were, into that situation to help others. Because, again, like if you really knew what it was, if you knew that life, you would have been like, oh, hell no, nah, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? But because you didn't know that life and you were such an innocent vessel at the time of just love, peace, community, unity, and you were just exemplifying everything that had to do with God's love, just with love. Love is God. So just love, period. Let's just say love. Um, you were able to be such a big impact in the lives of these young people. Now, were you working with men and women, or were you just working with men at that time? Is that the ministry that God led you to, or were you working with both? What what happened in oh, that we, area? We worked with all. Barbara, my boys. Barbara's a woman, of course, and she's part of Barbara, my boys, and she she was part of that oh. whole, a whole community intervention unit with women, and I did – my first presentation ever at the American Psychological Association was on women in gay. And so I do, I primarily work with men just because there's more men, right? Um, just to give you an idea now, the prison or the jail that I work at has like 1,700 men and like 365 women, right? So it's just easier to get that population. But, um, but you know, it, it's, there's different variables that go into men and women, right? And I just happen to navigate that direction. But there's a whole group of women who come to the script conference also and who support and, you know, there's all kinds of presenters. So, no, I, it, I, I navigate because it's, it's easier, but I also work with both. How did you end up working in the area of ministry with uh, jails? And I'm asking – um, you, you were you working in jail ministry type of work, like working with working with the jails, you said? 
No, I'm a forensic psychologist. So what I do is I I work within the settings of forensic psychology. So I can work from jail to working with people who are out. I I work on you know I work on a lot of famous cases. Um, I walk I I walk the life of explaining psychology to the legal system is what I do. And then in that I meet all of these interesting people that are a part of my life. I incorporate them in everything I do. So I, I'm, I never sleep, ever. Uh, people laugh about it, but literally at 3.30 every morning. Tommy has, I text him at 5 a.m. Like, I'm like, don't respond, I'm up, you know. And and so. <laughs> Me too, but, um, I do that. I'm up at 2 and 3 a.m. People are like, what? I say, you, sorry about the late text, but go ahead, I agree. Yeah, so I agree. I Okay, you know? good. Yeah, so I I just always doing something. I'm always doing something. And I have, I huh? Go ahead. I have I still have the question, so go ahead. Please. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm always doing something. Whereas writing a new book, like I wrote one with my recently, and and we Ooh. I had two books. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it, What's the called me because I think he wants to come on the show and talk about it. Hold on, let me tell him to call in. We need him. We need him. Yeah. 15 minutes. Time come on call. So what's the name? Of, so you wrote a book with your son? How old is your son? He is 13 now. We've written three books at this point. We started when he was nine. Three books? Yeah. This is the third one. Wow. What's the name of the book? This one is called Sonia Sloth's Serious Situation and is about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And he will yeah. be there. I love Poppy. Yeah. I'm telling him right now. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, he's calling in. It's a nine five it's a nine five one number. Miss Kim, what number is this? Don't say it out loud. <laughs> oh, don't say it? Oh, okay. Inclusion. Okay, tell no, me if you want yeah, to. Yeah, there's a nice type of Yep, call back to him. Press one. Have him press. I tell him press one. Come on. What's the son's name? Lawrence. Come on, Lauren. Now, come on. Come on, I man. I got change. Where's he? Okay, so she's going to, um, Miss Kim's going to bring him in. I'm so happy to hear this. Yeah, and my daughter's with him too. She wrote a cookbook. Come on, Doctor Deborah now, with all these authors developing yeah, well, he... I love it. Hello? What's your daughter's name? Let's shout her out too. What's your daughter's Sonia. name? Let's have... She's probably in the car with him, so she'll be on with him. Her name is Sonia, S O N Y A. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Sonia. What's your son's name? What's your son's name? What's your son's name? You can? What's your son's name? I think they're on. The phone's breaking up. Uh Is Lauren, is that Lauren and Sonia on? Hello. I have your mic open. Thank you, Miss. There you go. Hi. Uh, thank you, Miss Kim. The phones were breaking up, y'all, so make sure you guys are in a little stable connection. We want to hear from y'all. 
So we hear that you guys are authors and your your mother, Dr. Deborah, hardworking woman who does so much work, not just at work, but also in the community, pouring back into others. Uh, you guys must be so proud of her. So I just wanted you guys to both get a chance to say your names, say hello, and say hi to your mama. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. What's your name? Hi, Lauren. Hi, Hi, Sonia. What's the name of your books? Each one get a chance to say your name and the book. Um, the first one is Beavers, Boxes, and Grizzly Bears. Oh, and don't forget the cheese, fishes, and sloth too. And the others are sequels to it. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Freddy Fox's Freaky Fire. And the other one's called? Finding Sloth Series Situation. Right. Wow. That's wow. Dr. Uh, your phone's breaking up a little bit. <clears throat> Go ahead. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your um book called? Uh huh. I have a, a cookbook called Make It or Bake It: Recipes for Transitioning Foster Youth. Wow. And and what? Okay. And um, I'm not sure if it's this year or next year, but she's going to make a sequel about the holiday Wow. All right, I have a question for that foster care book um, because we actually have um, one of the people from uh, Georgia who leads the volunteer department and a lot of other departments really at the Georgia Department of Juvenile Justice, um, Dr. Sharon Lovett. She's actually on the line. That's one of my good friends. She's listening in, and she's able to speak at any time she wants to, but um, anyway, so um, you said that you wrote a cookbook for foster care kids. What made you write that cookbook? Like, where did that idea come from? Um, from my own experiences as a foster youth, I was in the foster okay. care system for, before being adopted by um, Dr. Deborah and her husband, Robert. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. I went through foster care myself. Um I think before, I probably went through it like a month and a half to two months. I was rebelling as a youth, and uh, my mom, uh, I, I did go through it. So I wrote about it in my book. I wrote about the experience for those kids who um, were going through it and, you know, to meet them where they were. I, I, I just shared where I was when I went through it. And let me just tell you something. Um, you, the ability for you to be able to share your testimony and story is so empowering. And so now, how do you connect the food and your story? What 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 came about? Was it that your mom, uh, Dr. Deborah, was cooking, and you were like, "Whoa, we connected!" Like, what happened in that area? Well, I actually um, went to school to uh, for baking and pastry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to focus more on like the actual cooking, though, not so much baking and pastry anymore. But I was just mm-hmm. kind of like remembering, you know quick meals that foster families used to make um, for, like, lots of kids, especially in lots of kids at a time. So it was just kind of like a combination of professional and personal experience. Oh, that's awesome. We need that little quick book, quick meal, uh, quick meals in a hurry, honey. And did you have some noodles in that quick book book? Uh, I 
Probably, but I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember now what we put in there. <laughs> yes, you okay, have. Okay, because I love noodles. My kids know noodles with this, noodles with that. They make noodles with everything. And and when we volunteer, when I volunteer with with Dr. Sharon at um at the utility, I know the boys and the girls. They love their noodles, so that's why I just asked that question. But noodles, I love noodles. Like I don't even know what's going on, but. Okay. Yeah, I love noodles. You know, we didn't have, <laughs> I don't know you got some noodle stuff. Go ahead. Sorry. We didn't Say it have again. a recipe. We didn't have a recipe in the cookbook to make the noodles from scratch, but we do have a really good goulash recipe, but if you're watching health, you might want to alter it or stay away from it. <laughs> Yes, it's not very healthy. You're right. You're right. I know. Time sodium is not good. I know. You're right. But, hey, some <laughs> don't kids love their noodles now. So you have a little noodle mm-hmm. where at least a little, I put broccoli in it. Does that help a little bit? Put a little broccoli, a little red pepper, a little yellow pepper, a little onion, a little mushroom. Does that help a little bit? You're like, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> it helps a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Doctor, um, love it. Do you have any questions or any comments? I know you came in a little late, but sometimes you come in a little late. It's a little difficult <laughs> to ask questions or make comments because, you know. But if you have any comments or want, would like to ask a question, that would be great. I just want to open up your mic just in case. So. But thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, I just have a comment. I know earlier she said that she didn't ask questions about the guy, what he did. And working at the detention center with um, juvenile offenders, that's one of the things that I try not to do. I don't. I try not to find out what they did, what got them there, and see them as the person, because normally what mm-hmm. I find that happens is once they're incarcerated, the real kid comes out. When they were out yes. in the street doing crime, they didn't really have a childhood. But once they're incarcerated, you find out who that real person is, and they start developing who they are. And that is one thing that I pride myself on as well, not really focusing on the crime, but focusing on the actual kid. That was good. And we do noodles. They they make something called jailhouse noodles. But they they love noodles. And you don't want to eat the jailhouse noodles. I know what goes in there. Mm-mm. No, no. Mm-mm. They always mm-hmm. offer me what goes in there? Oh, uh, all kinds of things. Eat. Each inmate takes something and puts it in the pot. And yeah, that's all I have, have to say. Uh, beef jerky, taki, cheese, pockets, chips, oh, whatever they can Be find. in the bathroom. Lord, help us. <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> they smuggle in their pants from the dining room. Yeah. Well, we have PBIS, so they don't have to smuggle. But we have PBIS, and we give them actually give them stuff for pockets um, if they earn um, good behavior. But that okay. is well, we in this in 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 Dr. Sharon's facility, she monitors, and when they have their PBIS, which is that Friday when they're able to get um, Uber Eats and all this stuff here for their good behavior, she monitors, but. What Dr. Deborah was saying was the hood rat, the hood way of those uh, uh, jail noodles or whatever noodles. She she heard another story from the other side, oh, what, not your yeah. side, but she was trying to put us. 
but they do have, they, they, they <laughs> do smuggle things from the cafeteria in their pants to get they back try. to the oh, room. Lord. They can have okay. food once they're in their room. Mm. Yeah, there are a lot of things goes in their pants, and they don't have pockets. I don't know how they manage to do they it. They get it through. They put they, it in their threads. They put it in their look. <laughs> but let me tell, let me um, interject. Kids, you guys can go, but I just wanted to say one thing, just so people know. Also, to bring it back, Sonia was the editor on Tommy, Tommy T. Top's book that came out. Yes. I believe in teaching future generations how to do things. And so she learned how to edit a book. So this is her first editing, and she is um, getting her doctorate. Um, from Capella University. I'm so proud of her. And Lauren mm-hmm. is in the Junior Scholars Program. So they both have done a lot of accomplishments. But I just wanted to highlight that and thank them for spending a little bit of time with mine because I know I, I love them and I love to talk about children. Okay, okay so, so you're talking about both of your children just now? You're back mm-hmm. to the kids, your children. Okay, so your son is getting, what is he getting? He's a Junior Scholar at his um, okay. school, and then my daughter is getting her doctorate degree, and um, he okay, get paid psychologist, um, my son. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm out here in uh, San Jose. But I just wanted to release them because I know they were doing stuff so that they can go. <laughs> well, congratulations, and thank you all for joining us. We appreciate y'all. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulate you. They already left us? Yeah, they just left. I don't see them. Okay. All right. So we have 11 minutes. Um, Dr. Deborah, again, you know, I just, we just want to thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing so much. Um, What can, can I ask you a little bit about, is there anything in your childhood that has led you to this road of giving, this road of pouring? I mean, because many times a lot of, I don't want to say the word, but I'm going to say the word. A lot of prophets, they've had a rough, rough road themselves sometimes. Um, something that they went through has shifted them into this area of pouring heavily at this high level. You're pouring at a high level. So I just want to know if there's something that you can share. Um, you don't have to go too deep if you don't want to because we only have 10 minutes. But what caused you to walk in this area of pouring into others? Oh, I don't, I've just always been this way. <laughs> from life, I, from birth, you was born. I, 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 you know, I started as a peer counselor in high school, and it was just a niche, and and I never stopped. And I, you know, that I remember I I asked to go to college. Um, I wanted to go to college, and I went to college prep classes with my counselor. And I remember the counselor told me that that wasn't for me, oh, and wow. that really sparked something in me, right? Because I was like, what do you mean it's not for me? Well, there weren't a lot of people who looked like me in school. So I understood that, but that was something that empowered me because I'm like, there's more to life than this. I'm not going to go work, you know, and 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 not have something that, that I can't feed others. I can't give to others. Like, and, and I knew the road was education. And I remember when I got into Columbia, the guy's family that I was dating at the time, he says, do you see yourself as an Ivy Leaguer? I didn't even know what Ivy League was. I just knew I got into a school, okay? So I had no idea. Yeah, and I was like, why would you put me down in the same sentence as congratulating me? And I realized that in this life, 
you have to be a vessel to educate others about differences. And right. the fact that I was going to Columbia University, something that he and he was a high school teacher. That's what got me. Something he couldn't grab for himself to say that to me meant that I was doing something. I was on a path. I was making change just by the fact that I was in his life. And so when I understood that really about the vessel that God has made me in life, I realized the change I could make in my world, in in the world that I interact in. And so did something ever happen to me? No, but it was little bitty things like that. And if you read my book, my first book I wrote called His History, Her Story, I talked a little bit well, about that one. That's the title. Yeah, it's an amazing title. And uh, it, someone, the person yeah. who gave me the title was very smart. And um, when I, when you read the the book and understand how I got to where I got to, and and talk about that, you understand why I do what I do and why I won't stop. I mean, I, you know, and I've learned staying on this path. I, I, you know. Everything happens for a reason. People come into your life for a reason, and I have learned that, and the path is open. I'm always thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to afford this? The door opens because I'm doing the path. I'm not wavering. I'm not going and doing something else because it's easier because the path's not always easy. I'm doing the path. People don't see all that. That's the one thing. People think, how did you get here? Well, it's just given to you. No, nothing has ever been just given to me. I have had to work. But you see the final product. You don't see the behind the scenes because that's a true professional and that's someone who's truly just loving what they're supposed to do. You get one life, one to live in. Wow. That was powerful. I want to just open up the mic for anyone. I know we have um, my co-host, Ms. Kim Lakin. She shared a little bit earlier, um, and she kind of sat back and allowed us share, but I want to make sure we bring her in because, again, she's a woman of faith, and she's a mother, she's a giver, she pours into the community, she's a big sexual child abuse advocate, and does so much, and I just want to make sure that she gets a chance to come forward and ask or make a comment or share. So, um, Ms. Kim Lakin, my beautiful co-host, if you could please join us, that would be great. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. That was great. Sweet. No, I am. Um, I think that I've heard a little bit of your story before, Doctor Deborah, and I think, um, yeah, I would like to follow you a little bit more. I don't know how. Um, I am not friends with you on Facebook, but I'd like to just follow your stuff a little bit more. You're just a very encouraging. You, I think, everybody out there who wants to kind of start over. I mean, you're giving people that just that freedom to say, yeah, I messed mm-hmm. up, but now I'm going to start over. And, um, it's I admire you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who wants to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook or I'm on all of those. Just, it's the easiest place is to go to drdebrawarner.net drdebrawarner.net. On the bottom of the page are all of my handles for everything. And there's a video about me and what I do made by Men Healing. And you'll get to see my TED Talk that also tells the other part of my story. So please follow me. Please say hi. I actually am one of those people who responds to you (laughs) all the time. (laughs) So please. (laughs) 
Not only that, I think also the fact that you're pouring into your children and pouring into other children and just you're pouring into men, you're pouring into women, you're pouring into girls, you're pouring into boys, you're pouring into inmates, you're pouring. So can you share, I know we only have five minutes, um, can you share some tips on self-care? Because I'm like you. I do a, I'm, I do a lot. Ms. Um, Kim, she's like you. She does a lot. Trust me. And Dr. Sharon, she she's a busybody too. She does a lot for the community, the boys are there. What can you share with us for some healthy self care tips for those who are listening? Well, I, my favorite self care tip is to dye my hair and get hair and, extensions down to my butt. <laughs> hey, girl, I'm a hairstylist. I'm gonna hit you up later, but go ahead. <laughs> So I'm actually so this week. That's you. Yeah, that's me. I'm flying home to get my hair um, dyed and redone so that I, for my conference I can look like the Black Dolly Parton. That's what I want to do. That is where you go. That is part of my stress release. There you go. That's good for you. My clients. I, I go to Boston once a month. Some of my clients moved out of state and they meet me in Boston when I go there. And that's what you do. You fly, enjoy your little trip. Eat some nice at the airport, get a little whatever it is that you eat, drink, whatever, and go get your hair done. Go get your nails. Go. That's part of self-care. I love you. Thank you. What else do you do? Just that. But that's fine if that's what you do. What else do you do? Did I go out? Oh, I think we lost her. No, we lost her, Deborah. <laughs> there she is. She's back. It just dropped. I don't know what happened, but it just dropped. But uh, <laughs> are you there? Can you Hello? hear me? Yep, yes. I can hear you. Dropped for no okay. reason. I was saying, what else do you do? Is that the main thing you do? Get your hair done? Yep. Go through the process of traveling, joy. That's your thing right there. Yep. Traveling, getting yep. my hair done. Eyelashes are another one. <laughs> okay, pretty girl. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And Very then the cute. shoes. The shoes. The ah! shoes are a problem. But but I try hey. to keep that down, you know, because you know. But cowboy boots are my thing. So you can ask Bill every year. <laughs> Come on. Ah, I love the shoes. All right. Uh, Mr. Ron, what do you do for self-care? Uh, for self-care? I am actually concentrating on me a little more. I've always put out so much to help other people that I neglect myself. So I'm concentrating on me. Actually, Saturday I am going to get brow blading, I think it's called something. I don't have eyes. Okay. I don't have eyebrows, and so I am going to get some eyebrows. I'm practicing the eyelashes. I'm doing. I'm just concentrating on me. My kids are uh, out of the house of an empty nester. I'm actually here with my daughter now in Hinesville, but I'm just. And I'm going to buy a new car this weekend, a new SUV. This weekend, so I'm really trying to focus on me a little more. Awesome. 
Thank you for sharing that. And Ms. Kim, what do you do for self-care? We have one minute, but I want to make let us know some tips. Yeah, probably um, my main, main to right now go to is to take a bath when I can. I never did when my kids were growing up. It was just I never seemed to have the time to just sit. So now I have time to sit, <laughs> and I can do that once a week or so. And <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Yes, so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Dr. Deborah Warner. We appreciate you. We, um, we're just so grateful to have been able to connect with you. Thank you for um, in, um, allowing Tommy to share with us and your other special guests that you had come in. Thank you, Dr. Sharon. Thank you, Ms. Kim. And thank you, Philip. And thank you, everyone that joined us. Uh, and we just cannot wait to connect again. I think this is very important for us to talk about how to connect, how to support each other in the community, how to become one, and how to grow. And so I just want to say thank you to everyone that joined us tonight. God bless you, and have a good night. Good night. Good night.